Hi everybody, I'm Peter Jacobson, and welcome to Jake's Takes. Well, I'm sure everyone watched the President's Cup over the weekend. I certainly did. It was it was really something to see. Nobody has really given the international team much much chance of beating the United States. In fact, they they've only beaten them once and tied once in the uh, entire history of the President's Cup, which I think was about fifteen or sixteen years. So, on paper, heading down to Royal Melbourne, down in Australia. Captain Tiger Woods' team was uh, the clear favorites. It was, people were saying that this was going to be probably one of the most lopsided wins in the history of the President's Cup. But man, did Captain Ernie Els have his international team ready to go. I was so impressed with the way they came out and dominated day one and day two. In fact, it looked as though they were headed to a 9-1 point advantage after two sessions it was was really something and if it wasn't for that rally by the united states at the end of the second session to scrape a few extra points out i'm not sure they would have been in position to make that comeback that they did on sunday singles but it was really really fun for me to watch i wasn't down there with nbc so i was uh, i was really missing out i <laughs> i love being a part of the broadcast period but especially when it's the president's cup or the Ryder cup there's something so compelling about the team competitions, how the captains put together the pairings, and also the uh, head-on-head singles matches on Sunday. So I actually was back here in the States watching it. I watched just about every minute I could. I was out at Pebble Beach on Sunday with uh, Lexus doing the Lexus Champions for Charity, and I had my phone with me at all times checking the scores. So first of all, congratulations to Captain Tiger Woods and also Captain Ernie Els of the international team. They both they both did a magnificent job. It's not easy. And I think captains of these teams, they get way too much credit and they get way too much blame. Basically, what you're there to do is to put the teams together the best way you see it. Not only do you get input from your team members, but also from the assistant captains. And in this case, Zach Johnson, Steve Stricker, and Fred Couples. But I think both Ernie and Tiger did really well. That comeback on Sunday was something else, something really special to see. In fact, at one point, it was like just a sea of red all across the board. But the uh, stars I saw for the United States, I thought uh, Justin Thomas, despite he and Fowler collapsing on, on this Saturday afternoon team competition in that in that match. I think they lost the last five holes. Uh, that was... Uh, that was quite shocking, but Justin Thomas stood tall. So did Xander Schauffele and Patrick Cantley. I was really impressed with the way they played. And on Ernie Els' team, Sunjay M., the 21-year-old from South Korea, he is going to be a star. Had a breakout year on tour this year, PJ Tour Rookie of the Year. But he was, uh, boy, he was solid all week. But I have to give the man of the match to Tiger Woods. Obviously, sharing the duties as a player and a captain. As a player, he went 3-0-0. And as a captain, he, he inspired his guys. So hats off to everybody in the competition, but mostly the United States for that great comeback win. Uh, the podcast today, we're going to talk to a very good friend of mine, Laura Tennant. In fact, I've known her father, George Mack, for years. I caddied for George when George was a 
Pretty good amateur player in the city of Portland. I was just a uh, snot-nosed kid, 12, 13, 14, 15, caddying for George. And then when I turned pro and went out on the tour, George became my accountant. And I watched his kids grow up. And one of his kids, Laura Mack Tennant, married to a good friend of mine, Robert Tennant. She played her college golf at University of Arizona, and then she went on to uh, raise uh, her family. And just recently, she turned 50 and has been playing on the national and international scene. Last year, she won the U.S. Senior Women's Amateur and came back this year and defended her title. And, And that's just, that's such a difficult thing to do. And then after her second U.S. Senior Women's Amateur title, she went over to Wales to compete in the RNA Women's Senior Amateur or the British Women's Senior Amateur at Royal St. George's. And she won that too in a three-hole playoff. So we're going to have a chance to catch up with Laura, talk a little bit about her game and amateur golf. And I wish everybody a Merry Christmas. Enjoy the show. It's a jungle in here and we all know it. The fans are fired up and making sure they show it. I don't know if your body hurts like mine, but I look back over my PGA Tour career and I actually used to run two or three miles a day. I can't even imagine running today. I used to go to the gym. I used to lift weights. I used to, on the treadmill and the elliptical, I was, I wouldn't say I was in every day, but I was in probably two or three times a week. Nowadays, these players have taken it to the, to the next level. They're in they're in the gym twice a day on competitive round days, which is which blows my mind. But now that I'm 65 years old, I've had a couple of hip replacements and a knee replacement and back surgery. I hope you can't relate to this, which would mean uh, you're, you're in, still in pretty good shape. But if you do relate to this, I've got to share with you something. My daughter, Kristen, who's a, who's a doctor, she told me that she heard of this new group popping up called Stretch Lab. And she said there was one up in Mount Kisco, New York, where, where she lives. So I decided to take a, uh, take a chance. I went up and I had an appointment. Well, I, I'm hooked. I have now been going to the stretch lab here in Portland, Oregon, as well as uh, in New York. And I go in a couple times a week and I get stretched. Now, obviously, we get stretched in the PGA Tour fitness van. And it's an essential thing. But these guys stretch me like I've, I've never stretched before. And as a result, I feel much better. I feel like I've got a little bit of a, a spring in my step. I feel like my golf game has gotten a little bit better. So the moral to this story is if your body hurts like mine, maybe start looking at doing more stretching, a little bit more intense work with, with a stretching technique or a stretching regimen I think it's going to surprise you. You've been here before, you know what to do. Keep your head on straight, don't let them get to you. Put a smile on your face, get rid of that frown. Gotta suck it up, it's no time to melt down. It's a jungle in here. I'm so happy to welcome Laura McTennant to the podcast to talk a little bit about her great play of late. Laura, thank you for joining us. 
Oh, it's, it's great to talk to you, Peter. It's always fun to talk to you. So I used to caddy for your dad, George. Uh, for anybody in Portland, Oregon, or really on the West Coast, you know George Mack. He's still my accountant after 43 years. But one thing I learned from your dad was a lot of great advice about how to compete, especially how to, how to keep an opponent down, never, never give an opening to an opponent. And I'm sure you adhere to that same advice. Oh, definitely. I think by caddying for my father myself, I learned to always uh, keep, uh, you know, the pedal to the metal. So you never take your foot off the gas. You always, uh, if you're one up, you got to go two up. If you're two up, you got to go three up. Because golf is a game of momentum. And so you never know when that momentum is going to change. And so you never really want to give your opponent opportunity for that momentum to change. Now, you grew up in a golf family, just like I did. The Jacobson family, we all played golf. The Max all played golf. And your brother George, your older brother George, is a, uh, is a golf professional. How has that rivalry, has that helped you to succeed or to learn or to grow within the game? Well, what's interesting is when I was a child growing up, my older brother George and my older sister Renee loved the game of golf. And literally, they would drag me to the golf course. I didn't really like golf until I got better at golf. So it, it took me a few years to, to become a better player and to actually even be able to compete against them. But uh, I never really considered our family as competing against each other. We definitely all wanted to be our best uh, in sports and in academics, but I felt it more like a support system. Your first senior women's amateur was here in Portland at Waverly Country Club, our home club. You were medalist. And then you went out and lost in the early matches. Just, just tanked it in the first match. I lost on the 18th hole, and it was obviously very disappointing. But, you know, you always learn things uh, in golf, especially. Uh, and really, I, I tell people, my kids that summer and the previous year had watched me work so hard and watched me set a goal. And I achieved part of that goal by being medalist. But when I lost so early, it was really disappointing, even more so for them. So I like to tell people that that gave me an opportunity to teach my children how to be a gracious loser. And then winning the next year, I had the opportunity to teach them how to be a gracious winner. And so I, I hope I've done that. No, I think that's an important thing. I, I hate that adage they say, a good loser is a loser. I, I've never believed that. I've seen great athletes and across all sports that are are just are great competitors and they they're great winners but they're also great losers and i i think of the two greatest players in the game jack nicholas and tiger woods they both win all the time but when they lose they they show the respect to their opponents so after you lost at waverly early matches you came back 2018 and you weren't medalist but you you just you just went through match play and you just tore everybody up tell me about the final match because you played I can't remember the young lady's name who you played in the finals I played Sue Wooster who is from Australia the final match uh it was interesting because match play in a USJ championship goes by so quickly you're playing, you know, six matches in four days if, if you continue on. And so everything happened very quickly. All of a sudden I was in the finals. And literally I just had to 
approach that final day just like I had the previous days. And I had been playing so well. I had a lot of confidence in my golf game, which doesn't always happen in golf, especially to me. So so uh, I was really excited, but I also had to kind of tone it down and just take it as any other match. And I was lucky I continued my, my good play and was able to beat her on the 16th hole. So you beat Sue. Last year, you come back this year, you compete, you, you make it to match play, and you, you, you blitz your way all the way through to the finals. And who are you playing in the finals? Once again, Sue <laughs> Wooster from Australia. And the interesting thing is, I, just the other day I looked it up, I was the fourth person, or we were the fourth people to play against each other in consecutive years in any USGA match play event. Wow. And... Interestingly enough, the ninth uh, pair of competitors to play against each other, but not necessarily in consecutive matches. Now, what's really interesting is that only one other person won both years consecutively. So in seven other years, they swapped wins. And I can see that because it was really tough mentally to go out and and compete against the same person two years in a row for a national championship when you know how meaningful that championship is. So for me, I had to just go play old man par and not think about who I was playing against. It's difficult in competition, especially match play, when you win all those matches that they happen quickly and you're in the finals. And it's good that you recognize that these opportunities don't come along every day. Now, when you were registering after uh, uh, the first year you win, you're back for your second year this year, and you see the trophy sitting on the uh, by the registration table. You walk by because it's an old friend by now. You've you've been friendly with it for a year. Uh, what was going through your mind? Well, actually, I was in awe because the way they had arranged the flowers in the trophy and around the trophy, I. I I was so in awe of how beautiful it looked. So I walked past it and really unconsciously said to my, but said out loud, you're coming home. (laughs) I'm bringing you home. And I was surprised when I said that, and especially surprised that I said it out loud. But luckily nobody was around and I was the only person who heard it. (laughs) Well, it's just tremendous to be able to have the sense of, uh, of situational awareness i've always said is important thing it's important whenever you play on the tour or or in any competitive golf have that situational awareness to 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 keep your head about keep your wits about you so you win the two back to back you're the uh, you're the pride of portland oregon the state of oregon and you head over to wales royal st david's golf course with a friend of yours from school chris now tell us that story well, she's actually the reason why we decided to play in uh, the British Senior Am. I I was thinking about it, but I wasn't planning on going unless I could kind of con her into joining me. And uh, when I asked her if she wanted to go 20 minutes later, she texted me back saying, I already signed up for it. So then I turned <laughs> to Bob and I said, I guess I'm going to Wales. But it ended up being a fantastic trip. We had a great time together. She finished 33rd. She came out and caddied for me. Uh, the last six holes and then in the three-hole playoff and and really kind of um, helped me win the tournament. What was that playoff like knowing 
you have two USGA championships under your belt. Did you feel you had the advantage? Did you feel like you were you were uh, uh, you were playing a totally different golf course? You're playing a Lynx course in Wales. Well, you know, I never really thought about that. I had won two USGA championships, and now I had this opportunity to sort of make history in a in a tiny sense of the word. Uh, never thought of that. I thought about you know, playing my best and, and hoping I could win. But I was so behind every step of the way in the tournament that at that point I was just feeling so fortunate to get into the into the playoff because I was pretty much too behind the entire tournament uh, until I birdied the 16th and 17th holes and then tied it up. So going into the playoff, I felt, A, fortunate to be there, but also I started to think I need to take advantage of this opportunity. So I need to, I need to hone down and, and beat these two girls bottom line. What's the strength of your game? Would you say we've, I've watched you play for many years and uh, I really can't put my finger on what would be the strength of your game. Probably there's uh, there, you probably just have no weakness. Well, that's very nice of you to say, Peter, but we all have weaknesses in our game. Uh, a couple things. I, I hit the ball very straight. I'm very confident in my driver, but I'd say my greatest strength has to be my wedge game. Um, from, you know, 30 to 100 yards, I, I kind of have those shots down. And I noticed that uh, both in the amateur and, and the British Am, that, that that really set me apart from people, I bet. And you don't get bogged down with details of your swing. You don't really care about all the uh, positions and all the new wave uh, swing techniques. Well, if you've seen my swing like you have, you know that I, I definitely play within myself. And I think the most important thing in golf is to know your swing and to know how to fix it. So I can fix my swing on the golf course most days. And I think because I, I know how to fix my swing it's a good swing it's one of the funny things you just said how to fix your golf swing on the golf course that's the problem with a lot of pga tour players is they work with their teachers and they look at video and they look at positions that when something goes awry on the golf course they can't fix it themselves that's why you see so many players play well for a streak and then they disappear so that's as i said situational awareness Laura, thank you for joining us. And again, congratulations. And like we said at your reception a couple of weeks ago, we expect three USGA championships in a row. Well, thank you, Peter. You've been here before, you know what to do. Keep your head on straight, don't let them get to you. Put a smile on your face, get rid of that frown. Gotta suck it. I'm excited to share with you some information about a new piece of equipment that I discovered and I've been working on. I've had back surgeries. I've had just about everything you can imagine. My body always hurts. But this piece of equipment, which is called the AllCore 360, it's almost too good to believe from a from an isometric standpoint and an overall body strengthening standpoint. I'm joined now by my son, Mick, 
who we saw it together up in Tampa a few years ago, and you're kind of a fitness nut. You fell in love with it right away. Oh, that's right. I actually had just recovered from a herniated disc surgery, and it was perfect timing because I had finished my regular rehab for a disc injury, which requires a lot of, and entails a lot of core exercises, sit-ups, crunches, things like that. It the The whole routine takes a while, and the whole time, I was worried that I was going to hurt my back again. And then we went up and saw this machine, which the it's, it's hard to describe. It's a very simple concept that's complicated to pull off. The best way to, to describe it is almost like a space chair that you sit in that tilts you back until you get to whatever degree you can handle, and then you hold yourself. You don't move. You don't twist. You don't torque your spine at all. You hold yourself upright, and the machine, the chair, rotates for you at one rotation per minute and you just hold your core in place. And it's basically like doing a 360 plank. It hits every side of your core, hence the name All Core 360. Well, Mick, when you and I went to see it in Orlando, we both got dressed up. We both put a coat and tie on, went up there to see this machine. And I rode it. I rode it three spins. And when I got off, I was sweating like I just walked 10 minutes on a treadmill. And I, I was I was so impressed with how it made my body work. And all I did was just sit there in the chair and not move. Yeah, that's one of the amazing things about it is it can be used for fitness. That's the how we used it. We were wearing coat and tie. You can wear street clothes and ride the machine. But it's also um, great for rehabbing your spine. So what we did was more of a fitness side. We had a full body workout almost. But you can also ride it at less of an angle if you have an injury. And that's that was its original use, was to help rehab spine injuries and prevent the need for surgeries like the one I had by strengthening your core and holding all of your discs in place through the power of your own uh, core muscles. You, you said you had just come off of back surgery. I've also had back surgery. I think it's, uh, I apologize for passing those yes, genes th- to you. Thank you for that. <laughs> but you had said that when you jumped on there, as you were rehabbing your back, you were always afraid of the movement left, right, forward, and back was something that you might hurt your disc. But when you got on the all-core 360, you said, oh, this is for me because all you did was sit, the chair moved, and all you do, had to do was hold yourself in place. That's right. It's, it's one of the few machines out there, I actually can't think of any others off the top of my head, that can be described as isometric slash dynamic where you hold yourself like a plank, but the machine moves you. So whereas you're doing a regular rehab, you have to use your own spine and and kind of squish yourself when you're doing crunches and leg lifts, you're always at risk of hurting even a different disc while you're rehabbing the first one. This machine, you don't move at all. You hold yourself completely still. The machine moves you, and you don't. there's no risk of twisting or, or compressing other discs while you strengthen your core. Basically, if you can sit in a chair... You can use the All Core 360 now. When when you did it the first time, when you actually did the entire sequence or the entire uh, what do you call it uh, the, the ten minute session, what does that involve? Well, it, it, the machine itself rotates at one rotation per minute. So what they the recommended recommended routine is ten minutes. So you do five spins one way, five the other. Now, they have a brand new software system and everything coming out, which can allow you to uh, customize your spins to whatever your physical therapist, chiropractor, or um, trainer recommends. You can also do a core evaluation, which tells you uh, before you begin where your strong parts of your core are, the front, side, 
so on. So it, it recommends a, a program for you to best balance your core because that's another important aspect of this. When you do crunches and you do side bends and planks, you don't always hit all sides of your core equally, which can lead to imbalance and instability, which as you also know from your various, uh, what, what is it, you have one fake knee and one fake hip now. Yeah, unfortunately, I, that's true. Yeah, so you, the balance aspect can, can play a huge role in long-term injury, chronic pain. And by using the Allcore 360, you perfectly hit all sides of your core as you hold yourself in place and the machine rotates you one, uh, 360 degrees. So it's, it's something that's unlike anything out there. And it's a, the best way to think of it is a simple concept that's complicated to pull off. What's interesting for me is the first time I did it, and I've had, as you said, replaced knee, replaced hip. I've had back surgeries. The first time I did it, where I did five spins one direction, five the other, and I didn't go back very far because I was afraid. Well, first of all, I couldn't do it. I, I couldn't go way back like you can or other athletes, younger athletes in better shape. But where I found, where I felt it was in my hips because my left hip has been replaced. And I've always known that my hip flexors and, and my hip strength wasn't like it used to be. So when I ride the Alcor 360, I feel it in my hips, not so much in my, in my stomach. Because as you know, when you see me in pictures, I have a rock hard flabby belly can can i say that rock that's right yeah you have a keg yeah it's rock hard somewhere inside there but the all core 360 i just recommend all of you if you're interested in strengthening your core or just checking on your overall physical fitness it's also helped me to strengthen my obliques which as you know in the golf swing when you turn in your backswing and you turn through it gives you increased strength which gives you increased speed so that's one of the things that I use it for, and I know a lot of golfers use it for. Well, yeah, that's right. A lot of people don't realize your core is not just your abs. It goes, there's, there's over 50 muscles from your neck down to, you know, your upper hips like you were describing. So it'll, it'll reveal any weakness you have, which obviously in your case with all the surgeries you had was more toward your hips. But that's where it's going to hit, and that's where it's going to improve you. Meg, thanks for joining us. Thanks for the information. And again, I highly recommend... The Alcor 360. Is there somewhere that people can go to to check more into this? Yes, yeah. Thank, thanks for having me here to talk about it. And they can, uh, everyone can check out Alcor 360. They have a Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube pages. Alcor360.com. It's A L L C O R E 360.com. Now you know so much about it because you've actually been working with the company, not only representing it, but but uh, doing some demonstrations around the country. So. Uh, we have the advantage of your knowledge. Thanks for thanks for sharing with us. Thanks for letting me talk about it. Well, that's all the time we have for this week's Jake's Takes podcast. Thanks for joining us. I'm your host, Peter Jacobson. These have been my takes. What are yours?